Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cracking Local, a podcast for marketers, agencies, and small business owners looking to grow and retain customers. I'm really excited about today's episode. First, my guest today, Jacqueline Cook, is an absolute rock star when it comes to something I think we're all pretty interested in. How do we make our companies grow? Jacqueline is the VP of growth at Vandasta, which is not just the company that produces this show, but it's also a pretty amazing software developer located in beautiful Saskatoon, Canada. Vandasta builds white label marketing software and in the past 30 months has grown from around 40 employees to almost 250. And during that time, Jacqueline has been one of the leaders behind that massive growth. The second reason I'm excited for the show is that I was actually able to conduct this interview in person. So for at least one episode, you don't have to hear the guest coming in from a remote location. So enjoy the high-end audio quality. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and mega bonus points if you leave a review. Those really help the show get noticed. So without further ado, here is Jacqueline Cook. To start, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, explain explain what you do. Sure. Uh, my name is Jacqueline Cook. I'm the Vice President of Growth at Vendasta Technologies. So at Vendasta, um, I get the great job at looking at all of the different departments and the opportunity Vendasta has and understanding how we capitalize on these opportunities and identify blockers and work through those blockers every day. So the role is very much um, kind of cross-functional and it changes a lot. But my job is to identify where an opportunity exists and take it from zero to one and then bring a team together to take it from one to 100. What do you see as the biggest misconception that people have about growth? Yeah, great question. So growth in the SaaS, the software as a service space, is often a term used for for growth hacking. Um, Growth in the Vendasta sense, we definitely look at ways that we can use sort of iterative experiments to, through the scientific method, identify an opportunity and test against that and iterate rapidly. But we take growth as more of a holistic sense within our company. Um, So it's not just adding an email link at the bottom of your email to create virality. Growth at Vendasta is, as we're all swimming in a direction, um, holistically are we swimming in the same direction? And is everyone moving um, at the same momentum towards that underlying goal of where we're striving to? And what are the biggest hurdles for Vendasta in achieving those goals towards growth? What do we run into on a regular basis that kind of gets in the way of doing what you're talking about? The biggest hurdles we run into, um, first of all, I think the biggest challenge for us was identifying what are we optimizing for and what are we, what is our North Star metric? Where are we headed as a company? Where do we want to position ourselves in the industry? What do we want to be best at? Um, Once we identified that, we really started to capitalize on growth and start to realize growth. But it was a long process in understanding not only what are we trying to achieve, but how each one of their departments 
also optimize and carries their weight toward that as well. Um, we did an exercise where we sort of outlined where every department aligns towards and what are the metrics that they look at every single day. And for example, if one was marketing and they were just looking at at leads, well, that's going to grow one area, but marketing also needs to grow our partners as well. And, you know, we spun out a product marketing division and a success marketing division as well. And so making sure what gets measured matters, right, is um, are we measuring the right things and are we looking at the right things towards growth? So from what I'm hearing, it sounds like in your mind, Vendasta has made a ton of progress since the beginning towards adopting more of this growth mindset. How much farther do you think we have to go towards some of the things you're talking about? <laughs> are we close? We're, we are leaps and bounds. Um, we've come an incredible way. And I think that's really what's driven a lot of our success is that all the way from the top to the bottom of the organization and everywhere in between, we embody growth in everything we do. And we always challenge thinking not 10%, but 10x, true 10x in everything that we're doing. Growth never stops. That's the thing is in right. our industry, our industry is constantly evolving. But in addition to that, we can't stop thinking with a growth mindset. While we're getting better in some areas, there's, I mean, sky's the limit on some of these things that we could be doing. So there's never going to be a day where you pat your hands together and say, ah. take it easy. <laughs> I'll see you later. My work is done here. No, I think that is kind of what flies in the face of growth is that your previous question and, you know, what is the greatest challenge? I think the greatest challenge is, um, is that there is really no end in sight, but that's what's exciting about it is that uh, there's just a different type of opportunity that growth is. And I think the opposite of growth is, is status quo. And so to think that, you know, we'll achieve some plateau in status quo is it's my job to help change that idea. That's awesome. So I guess that kind of leads in well to my next question. Outside of generating more revenue, why is having a growth-centered mindset important? Money is the proxy for value, right? So if we are providing more value as an organization, we could, in, in essence, generate more money, right? That is, it's just a measurement. But growth also implies, in a number of different ways, to people, for example. What's so inspiring about Vendasta is that we have a fantastic group of people at our company who are constantly bettering themselves and constantly growing. I think about three and a half years ago when I started here, all of the people that are still around today and how much how much stronger they are as leaders and how much more skilled they are as they are technically and um, just just the way that we've developed our community in Saskatchewan around that and it's largely because we have a culture of people who constantly want to that are hungry and want to get better and so I think revenue is definitely something that all organizations optimize toward but at Vendasta growth transcends just revenue um, and we want to just make even an impact in our community and, and what is Vendasta's impact and how is that growing in Saskatchewan. That's interesting that you sort of take a look back in that last question because I was going to ask you if you had the ability to go back 
and share one lesson with yourself when you first started this position of VP of growth. My first question is, would you, would you take that opportunity? And, and if you did, what, 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 what would be the lesson that you would share with yourself before you've started this journey? I mean, I could, yeah, a thousand lessons for sure. <laughs> I could write a whole book on all the things I thought. Um, but to your question, would you take the opportunity to go back and teach a lesson? I don't think I would. The first thing that popped into my mind when you asked about that is um, I thought things were going to happen a lot faster. Just faster. naturally. Faster. <laughs> just change takes time. And even though it seems like we've, you know, in hindsight, we've grown tremendously over these last three years. But at the time, it's like, wow, we were talking about these things three years ago. Why is it taking us this long to, to implement some of these things? But it's not easy and it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's the hard thing about hard things is that they're not fleeting, but they're lasting, right? That's really interesting. So it's a combination. You have to have some patience, I guess. Patience, yeah. But the reason I don't think I'd tell myself that three years ago is because if I knew how hard and how slow some of these organizational changes happen, I think I would have just discouraged myself. So uh, sometimes ignorance is bliss. I guess so. So if someone is hearing what you're saying and, and feels really inspired, maybe they work in a business that doesn't necessarily adopt some of the things you're talking about towards having a growth mindset, what would you recommend is a first step they could take to walk down a path that, that leads them towards having more of a growth mindset in, in their company? Yeah, I think to break it down really tactically, it is what are you trying to do in your company? What is your North Star metric? What is that thing that you optimize for that you want to create more of every day? So the example is, you know, Airbnb, they optimize for more nights booked. Uber optimizes right now for the number of drivers that they have actively engaged with Uber. That's sort of their North Star metric. But if you were to shift Uber, for example, um, into maybe more consumers taking rides or the revenue generated from those rides, that changes the way your day-to-day -day decisions are made. So, you know, I mean, with Uber, it's interesting that they're investing in autonomous vehicles, for example, that might fly in the face of their North Star metric. But what you design for and, and the target you set and what you optimize for is really, um, that should transcend into the day-to-day -day decisions you make. And when you step back and you look at your email inbox and all of the things that you need to do on your to-do list, what is getting you toward that singular goal? And then it's just a matter of your day-to-day -day activities. Are you holding yourself and your team accountable towards that goal? So what's Vendasta's North Star metric and how did we arrive at the decision to choose that as the thing that we work towards? So Vendasta's North Star metric is, which is very difficult in any company, is, is a hard one to define. Um, we entirely rely on the success of our partners. We have a promise to our partners that we will remain white labeled and that their brand is forward. And so because of that, we can't forcefully make our partners successful. We can only help drive their success. So I think Vendasta's North Star metric is really the success of our partners. Are our partners selling digital solutions to their local businesses? 
And are there local businesses seeing value in those solutions day after day? Um, so if we were to break it down to a metric, I really think it would be the active local businesses utilizing some of these digital solutions and continually renewing those solutions as well. Because if the, the SMBs don't see value in it, our partners soon won't see value in what we're offering them. So we always have to keep our eyes on the prize. That's great. So I'm going to move from growth to uh, another part of your presentation, which was using data to motivate. Mm -hmm. Can you talk, can you just elaborate on what that means and then maybe explain it in a way um, where you talk about what that looks like at Pendasta, using data to motivate? Yeah, for sure. So when I first stepped into a management role where I was working with a team, I was terrified First, because I was not very experienced managing a team, a larger team. And number two, because I thought management was just pushing people uphill all the time, right? Pushing people to do more. But when my colleagues, George Leith, started doing something within the sales leadership organization, and instantly it was like, this is how you manage. You don't manage people, you lead people. And what he does um, every month is he sits with his his peers and says, what are the five things we want to do this month? And that exercise is one of the hardest exercises that we can do because it says, you know, you know, you're doing no more than five, but you're also verbally stating something that you need to hold yourself accountable to. And so once a month we go through, you know, what are the five things I'm achieving this month? And that exercise alone um, helps him understand, are they aligned with where the organization is going? Are they measuring and are they focusing where they need to be? And number three, uh, are they holding themselves accountable month after month? And so management becomes less of a, I have to push you towards these goals and more of a, how can I help you towards your goals that you set out for yourself? And so data is simply a way to remind people of here's how we're doing against those goals. And then it's your job as a manager to help remove barriers or blockers um, and help those people get towards the goals they set out for themselves. Data is also used in a way to remind people of their impact in the organization. Sometimes, as, especially as Vendasta grows, we feel like, well, I'm just a small piece in a moving cruise ship almost, right? What is my impact here? But if you can sit down and say, wow, you drove this many active users through that new feature that you helped drive, or you generated 10 more opportunities for partners because of that LinkedIn campaign that you did. That is getting us towards our goals, and that was something that you did and only you did, and you should feel proud in. So is that something that plays itself out from an HR perspective? Are you looking actively for people that seem like they would fit well into that mold of, you know, having data be their, their motivator, because I feel as though some people might be used to, and maybe even some people might prefer being pushed up a hill mm -hmm. by a manager. Yeah. So is that something that plays itself out in the hiring process? Absolutely. Yeah. We look for self-starters at Vendasta. We want entrepreneurs, not employees, if that makes sense. And you can be an entrepreneur inside of an organization. You're just the CEO of whatever you're working on. Right. And 
And that's, I think for all companies, if they adopted more of a, a leadership mindset and less of a management mindset, it allows you to go faster. And instead of a manager having to think, okay, what are the tasks that each one of my seven reports have to do this month? People don't have the mind capacity for that. But if you flip that on its head and say, seven people, what are the things that you think you contribute to on a larger scale, knowing that we're trying to get to here? Then all of a sudden you harness seven people's brains and mental capacity and strategy and ideas. And you're simply there as a servant leader to liaise and, and help them get towards that. So I've got three more questions for you. Sure. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about which companies do you keep your eye on in terms of seeing what they're doing and having it possibly inform what you do here? Which, what, are your, what are the companies that you admire the most and, and you, keep, uh, you keep an eye on? Oh, man. That's a great question. Um, some of the companies that I look at are actually not very well-known companies. Some of the companies I look at are in startup and seed states because they, they're going to disrupt these bigger guys. And so what I like to look at is who are I'm, – I'm fortunate to have some, um, some friends as an alumni of the Next36 organization – many of the people within that went and started their own companies. And so they're on the upward of the next kind of evolution of companies, especially in, in Canada. They're using things like artificial intelligence and machine learning and you know a lot of programmatic and like big data, all the buzzwords, right? <laughs> big data, um, deep data stuff. And what they do is just sort of like Facebook talks about is move fast and break things. And I think in the world of, um, as we transition a lot of industries from analog to digital, uh, we're gonna start to see more of these things of people that are very carefully moving fast and breaking the things that can be broken and should be broken. So to give you specific references on companies, is that what you're looking for? No, no, though, no, uh, exactly what you just said, sort of the concepts that you're pulling in. One thing that caught my ear though is you know, Facebook is obviously a huge company and, and they figured out a way to do it. But that idea of moving fast and breaking things as you grow into a larger company, doesn't that become more challenging? And, and how do you continue to do that as you have, you know, more and more stakeholders, more and more employees? Yeah, that is something I think only few companies have figured out. The innovator's dilemma, right? If you become so big that you lose sight of agility and use your ability to be agile then you slowly become irrelevant. But um, the example that you know we give and we talk about is, um, you know, you're, you're moving across the ocean and you have everyone moving in the same direction. You're picking up speed and velocity, and you're almost like a cruise ship. Awesome, everyone's on board. We're moving, but all of a sudden the market changes. The price of oil tanks. Trump becomes elected. Your data becomes irrelevant. Someone changes an API or the way that the data is monetized. That is a bad place to be in as a cruise ship. You don't want to be a cruise ship because turning around that puppy is very difficult, right? Especially at breakwind speed. So instead, can you think of your organization more as a school of fish? When something, a barrier becomes in the way, can you 
you know, mobilize teams still in aligned fashion, but to break around that barrier. And I think something that Vendasta did recently, it was earlier this year, late last year is when it really started. Um, we were in a position where everyone was responsible for everything and therefore no one was responsible for anything. And it goes back to that, what metrics are you driving every day? Well, as a Vendasta whole, our executive team, we knew what our key metrics were. But when we ran ar- went around the table and said, okay, who's responsible for this metric? It was like, duh, he, she, we, uh, mm, I don't know. And so what we did was a divisional split. So from being a functional organization where, you know, in the product division, product development all works as a unit and product marketing all works as a unit and R&D all works as a unit and product strategy, what we were finding is that there were so many interdependencies and because of that, so many roadblocks between those groups that we were just a big cruise ship and we couldn't actually get anything through the pipe. And so instead, we transitioned to more of a, of a focus as a division. Um, so instead of you know, product strategy being one unit and working as one unit, we went from there's a product strategist and a product marketer and a product, you know, product manager and an R&D team or a few teams, and they had a single goal or a single metric to drive. And that way, once that metric was driven or was not being driven and we were not seeing results, it wasn't like, whose fault is that? Well, product strategy said to do this, and well, by the time I got to product, no, we're a unit, and we need to kind of move quickly. So we've divisionalized, moved into smaller fish schools, and we're moving a lot faster and in a more focused direction because of it. Nice. So my last question, uh, whenever I get someone on the show, I'm always really curious to find out I, I call the question, what are you paying attention to right now? So whether it be something on Netflix, whether it be a book, whether it be a news story, what's what's grabbing your attention right now when you're, when you're not in the office? Oh, man. <laughs> I love this question. We play this game called What Are You Into Lately? And it's where does your brain go? Well, unfortunately, my brain is filled up with wedding plans right now because oh, I'm really? planning a wedding in September. You know... So, I think we're getting married on the same day. I Get might have to edit this out. September no, 9th. No way. Yeah. You should keep this in. This is great. Congrats. We're, we should talk about that after. Yeah. Well, we can swap stories Exactly. Um, in the process of planning weddings, I'm like, wow, this industry needs to be disrupted because there are so many crappy things about planning it's a wedding. It's the worst. <laughs> um, but I guess aside from that, um, two things that I'm, I'm really interested in. One is... Um, this idea of systems thinking. Uh, systems thinking is sort of just an overall concept, but uh, I just started a book by Danella Meadows called uh, Systems Thinking, Thinking in Systems. And it's all about um, how to basically do what we're talking about in uh, a system. So a system, you can change inputs and outputs, but a system will continue to exist unless you change more meaningful factors within that system. And so, um, this systems thinking is sort of just a practice is something that I'm interested in learning more about because it can apply to anything in life and any industry. And I think governments um, should really look at systems thinking and where we're at with our governments, which is a whole other conversation. Um, So systems thinking is definitely one. And then um, 
just I, I really like and I've been looking into user user experience and user strategy I think sometimes it's an afterthought of um, how users interact with things but I think as we move closer and closer to just technology transcending our lives user experience is non-negotiable it's not an afterthought it's not something that it's, oh we it's have kind of the everything it is the everything it's absolutely the everything and in my day-to-day life I will pay more to spend less time and less brain capacity using something. And I think um, companies that put user experience first are going to win at the end of the day. And so that's something that we're putting a big focus on as well. Awesome. Do you uh, do you have a Twitter handle or, or anything you want to share in terms of having people keep in touch? I, d- I do, but I, I should be more active, especially being, you know, right. social media-driven company. Um, my Twitter handle's JackieCook21 um, on Twitter, and uh, I think LinkedIn as well. I'm, I'm pretty active on as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time today. This was really, really great. Usually I'm, like, on my cell phone calling people, so this is the first in-person interview I've done for the podcast, so I'm happy that it went well. I feel like it went well. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. So I hope you enjoyed that. And if you have any questions, don't be shy about leaving a comment on the show. We can definitely make sure Jacqueline gets in touch. Just as one last call to action, remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave a review. If you've listened to all of our episodes, you might notice that the show is slowly evolving and hopefully getting better. That's the direct result of some listener feedback that we've gotten. So definitely keep it coming. On our next episode, I am joined by Ryan Shelley, and we are talking about predicting the future of SEO for local business. It's a really fun episode and should be out in a couple weeks, so keep an eye out for that. Thanks for joining us.